UCB Life Issues with Paul Hammond. And as always, a very warm welcome to this week's episode of Life Issues. Now, if I say the word fasting, what springs to mind? Your response is probably going to have a lot to do with your age, your church tradition, and these days, even health considerations. Lent will probably be in there, maybe partial fast, fasts from technology. But in a lot of churches, fasting is just not on the agenda. And what little teaching there is about it would have made the minister who taught me about fasting back in the 70s despair. So how did we get to the point where the cornerstone of spiritual development for centuries, the idea of prayer and fasting to discover more of God for our lives, got sidelined. What does it mean to fast? Who should do it? What is it for? And how did a spiritual practice so important that it finds its echoes in every major faith become part of a diet plan? My guest to consider the importance and the how of fasting is Jo Frost. She's a writer, a teacher, a preacher. She's also director of comms at the Evangelical Alliance and worked for many years with Share Jesus International. So I wonder, Jo, why fasting is important to you? Uh, That's a great question. Uh, Probably because I'm not very good at it, um, is the honest answer. Um, and I think it's because I really do recognise its importance and significance. And like most people, I know it's really precious, but it's also really costly. So actually, I avoid it quite a lot of the time. But when I don't avoid it, when I do practice it, um, it calls into question, who do I serve? That question of Joshua, choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my household, I will serve the Lord. And fasting asks me in the immediate What am I serving? Who am I serving? Am I serving my appetites, my body, or am I recognizing that my body is nourished by the word of God? And fasting calls to me that attention and that reorientation, Mm. which is why I think it's so significant. And it is something which kind of has maybe fallen from a lot of Christians' active awareness. We're kind of theoretically, academically aware of the idea of fasting. Jesus fasted in the wilderness, etc., etc., etc. But for a lot of us, it doesn't feel overly relevant. And yet, fasting is part of most major faiths. And I wonder whether the fact that it finds its echoes in the heart of humanity, whether we should recognise this is actually something that is God's desire for us. He has sown it into us. That's why it props up elsewhere as well. I think that's really insightful. Um, And I think that's really true. I I do think it's fascinating that we uh, don't understand fasting, um, or at least we're wary of it. And I think, again, that Scripture is full of how wrong people can be about fasting. We've got uh, passages in Isaiah saying, is this a fast I desire for you? We've got Jesus talking about feasting, not fasting. We've got uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We've got so many warnings about how to do it wrong. Mm. I wonder if some of us have just gone, well, let's let's just not engage. But actually, despite all of those warnings in Scripture, Fasting isn't an if, it's a when. Um, and it is, it's part of our physicality as well as our spirituality. In fact, it brings those two things so much together. We are a holistic being. And fasting across the faiths recognizes that. 
But it, for me, in Christianity, we're not trying to conquer our bodies. We're not trying to manipulate God into doing what we want by doing fasting as a bit of a bargaining chip. Instead, it's that reorientation of saying, my soul needs nourishment even more than my body does. And how does fasting and prayer go together to reorientate ourselves towards God? Well, as we go through this conversation, we'll unpick and unpack some of those ideas. But if it is part of God's desire for us. I mean, he he relates to us in our weakness. He relates to us in our, our sinfulness and in our rebellion. He relates to us when we're doing well and he relates to us when we're doing rubbish. And, and so why would, why would the act of fasting be important to God? I think it's because it's important to us. Um, Mary Oliver, the poet, the American poet, says attention is the start of devotion. And I think for me, fasting makes me aware of where my attention is. When my body is hungry, nine out of 10 times, I'll feed it. And uh, and actually, I pay attention to hunger pains mm-hmm. and I give it what it needs. But my soul, my soul, I don't pay quite so much attention to. I don't spend t- so much time focusing on what it needs to be nourished. Um, and yet, actually, my soul is the master of my being. Um, and actually, what I nourish my soul with ultimately feeds my physicality. Man cannot live on bread alone. So for me, I wonder whether or not it's so important to God because it's so important to mm. us. It's not about us using it as a bargaining chip, but it's about God waking us up to how much we need him and rely on him and not provide for ourselves, which especially in this day and age, we spend all of our time assuming that we are capable of providing for ourselves everything that we need. Do you think it has been, because one of the things that has become very popular is to find fasting in other things so we have tech fasts we have people who they say i fast from my phone or i fast from magazines or or whatever and and then there are partial fasts you know i do the daniel fast i i go without meat and and actually i found that a lot harder doing the daniel fast where all i could do was eat vegetables and drink water that was a nightmare that was harder than doing a towel fast but and then and then you also have this thing where fasting now for a lot of people is about diet. It is, you know, we fast for three days, we eat for for four, whatever the the ratios are. Have those things devalued the Christian, biblical, traditional teaching on fasting? I think they've definitely confused matters. Um, So I would argue that um, when we talk about digital fasts um, or we talk about giving up chocolate for Lent um, or uh, turning off Netflix or whatever it is, um, actually what we're talking about there is abstinence or uh, a seeking after simplicity, um, removing some of the luxuries um, and sacrifice and dependency on God and all of those things. Now, fasting is similar but it isn't the same thing. Scripturally, fasting is always about food. And actually, Daniel fasted a lot. And we only have one moment where we talk about the partial fast. Mm. 
And we don't say why he was motivated to do a, a partial fast. It could have been that actually what was going on in his world right then didn't allow for him to do a full fast, potentially. But it wasn't an either or for Daniel. It wasn't a swap out. Actually, he, he fasted full total food fasts. And I think there are obviously many people who medically should not fast. And that we cannot say that in any way their discipleship is going to be diminished because they can't do a total fast. That is not the case. However, for the vast majority of us, a total fast is a possibility. It is we can do it. We're capable of doing it. So for me, the question is, why don't we? Why do I talk myself out of a food fast of the basic necessities of life and swap it for the luxuries of life. What am I saying to myself and to God about where my control comes from, where my dependency comes from, where my um, provision comes from? And for me, when we confuse abstinence with fasting, we're losing sight of that issue of provision, of orientation and of control. You're listening to UCB Life Issues. I'm Paul Hammond. My guest this week is Joe Frost, and we are talking about the practice, the historical, the biblical, the traditional practice of fasting. And we're talking about it within the context of a food fast. And I remember years ago reading that it's important to recognize food as the thing of fast rather than maybe the luxuries and so on. Because when you actually deny your body food, it changes the way your body functions, your metabolism functions, and that has an impact on your ability to engage with spiritual perspectives and spiritual experience. Now, whether that is scientifically accurate or not, I don't know. But certainly you can see that the denying of ourselves of that which is essential for our survival is going to change the orientation of our perspective and our thinking as to who we trust and who we depend on and who it is provides the nurturing of our spirits. So let's think about the why of fasting, Joe, and the the starting point as to why Christians, if they are physically able, let's recognize that again, medically speaking, you have to make sure that you're medically able to fast from food. There are some conditions where it would be dangerous to do that. So we recognize that. But if we are able, why? What is the what is the scriptural, the spiritual, the biblical perspective as to why we should do it? Well, scripture is full of fasting, isn't it? I mean, we see it all over. Um, And ultimately, there are lots of different reasons as to why people fast. Sometimes it's an act of repentance. Um, So it's a moment of confession. It's a moment of reorientation. So that idea, the the definition of repentance, as we know, is, is to turn around, to reorientate, to look again, to look at a different perspective. So that repentance act literally turns your body and your mind 
away from what it was that it was focusing on before and repents and reorientates it to where it should have been. So that physical act of fasting is part of the spiritual act of repentance, of confession, of saying, we've gone the wrong way. Let's turn around and focus again on where we should be looking. And so the, there's that moment. Yeah. And, and the, the I suppose the reality is that Jesus set the example, didn't he, that we that he fasted. Is that example a call to us to follow that same route? Absolutely. So when Jesus fasted, I would say that Jesus was preparing. So he had just been um, baptized and he went out and he prepared for ministry. And he did that by a fast. And actually, by the time he'd finished fasting, he was able then to take on the devil and the temptations that the devil put before him. Actually, that moment of preparation, of fasting, orientation, every time he got the hunger pains, he looked to God. Every time he had that kind of that, that gut-wrenching moment in his stomach, that was his moment to recognize that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. So that when Satan came, he was ready. He was mature. He knew who his provider was. Actually, if we don't have that constant built-in imitation like Christ does, when those temptations and trials come, we're not ready for them because we don't recognise who God is in that moment. That's a massive, massive thought, though, isn't it? I mean, the, the idea that not just as an example to us, but also as an experience in his humanity, because we, we recognise that in his divinity, Jesus could take on the devil without a second thought. But in the the restrictions and the realities of his humanity, he needed to prepare his body as well as his mind for the temptations. That is a, a massive thought, which kind of makes you wonder if we're putting ourselves at a bit of a risk if we don't pick up that example absolutely i mean you talk to anyone who practices fasting um as a regular discipline and you talk about their prayer life and you talk about their spirituality and you talk about their spiritual giftings again we heard from jesus when he comes down from the transfiguration and the disciples are trying to heal the boy with um the evil spirit and they can't they're like we did exactly what you told us to mm. do and it didn't work we followed jesus the formula we ticked all the boxes but it didn't happen what are we doing wrong? Yeah. And he turns around and he says, prayer and fasting. You haven't prayed and fasted. Your, your spirituality, your dependency, your faith, your understanding of who God is and what God does, your understanding of the kingdom, it necessitates prayer and fasting to open your eyes, to draw your attention, to wake your body and your soul up to what God can do. You need to pray and fast. And it wasn't hi, there's a boy with an evil spirit in front of you, go away, spend 40 days prayer and fasting, <laughs> then come back. That's not the principle here. Actually, he was ready. He was mature enough. He had done the legwork. And therefore, when the crisis comes, when the healing opportunity presents itself, he is strong enough. He is mature enough. He is able enough to depend on God, work with the Spirit, and see that boy healed. So, what are we saying there then? That actually, if we want to be, and again, we're not in any way casting doubt or or suggesting sort of second class status for the discipleship of people who cannot, who physically cannot fast and would need very specific guidance around it. But but for those of us who could, 
go without um, a food for a, a day or a couple of days or a week or a, you know, we might need to build up to the 40 days. But for, for, for those of us who can do it, I mean. Why aren't we? Well, are we are we actually are we actually leaving ourselves falling short of the full measure of what God has for us? Because fasting creates that that place of maturity and of dependency and of, of awareness that enables us to resist the devil and see him flee from us. Exactly. And when I ask my questions to God of like, why am I not seeing more of your kingdom come? Why am I not seeing more people come to faith? Why am I not seeing healings every day? Why are the dead not rising? Like, actually, Jesus promised to us that we would see more of the kingdom of God, that we would do more than he has done. And yet I see less. I see glimmers and glimpses. And actually, when I pray that, that prayer, my response from God is, okay, but are you doing what he did? Mm. Am I spending time with him? Am I retreating to the quiet place? Am I meditating? Am I feasting on the word of God? And am I fasting? And actually, nine times out of 10, I hang my head and I confess that the answer is no. So why am I surprised that I am not orientated to what God is up to? I don't only do what I see the father doing, because actually, he probably doesn't have very very much of my attention. So I don't see or notice what he's doing because I'm more fixated on what I need and feeding my body and my desires and my appetites in that moment. The danger is we start to adopt a transactional um, yes. attitude towards it then, though, isn't there? Uh, where, you know, I in, in pretty much in the same way that I will proclaim with faith my prayer and God will do because he has no choice. You know, and in the same way, I will fast for 40 days and God will do because he has no choice. And it, it doesn't work like that. That's That's not the reality. It's not about transaction. It's about relationship. Exactly. Absolutely. Which is why, for me, it isn't about I'm going to fast and you're going to do. But when I fast, I pay attention. When I fast, I notice what I need more. When I fast and I'm hungry, it makes me speak to God more quickly than I would when, I, when I'm just making my dinner. Actually, for me, fasting is a prompt. It's um, a, a moment of re-engaging. And actually, as you get more mature and you get more into what fasting is, as as I move from the couch to the 5K as that kind of runner, actually, my, my muscles grow, my orientation grows, my worship grows, my attention grows. I start to capture God's heart because he's talking to me and he's feeding me and he's helping me see what he's up to. I remember hearing a preacher years ago suggest that, that one of the reasons the disciples were able to do the miracles that they did and see the things that they did was that they they put in the practices, the disciplines, we've used that word a couple of times, haven't we? They put those things in place which allowed them to, on a regular basis, align themselves with what God wanted to do and as a consequence, when they proclaimed that, it wasn't that they were persuading him. They were just listening to him, but they could actually exactly. hear him. Yeah, Exactly. Jesus said, I only do that which I see the Father doing. And his attention, his focus, his orientation is always on the Father. And fasting helps us reorientate our focus and our attention. And we often quote the fact that Jesus said, not 
if you pray, but when you pray. What we we less often quote is that he said not if you fast, but when you fast. There's a command element to this. Absolutely. Or there's at least an assumption element there that actually this is built into every faith's practice of, of fusing the physical with the spiritual. And Jesus reorientates people's understanding. This isn't a, this isn't something to weep and mourn over. This isn't something to get adulation from or credit because you're holier than everybody else. This is a private moment of attention, of focus, of repentance, of coming before God and asking him, what is he up to? Of remembering that he is the author and provider of everything, even our nourishment to our bodies. So Jesus does assume that we are going to fast. And if we're going to do that, he wants to make sure that we do that in the right way. So it isn't don't fast because you can't do it right. But it is do fast, but catch your motivation, yes. catch your uh, um, your desire and what you're doing it for and what you're getting out of it, because that is also a really key part of fasting. And also, we should say at this juncture that if you have any medical conditions, you should talk to someone who is a medical professional and can advise you around this as to whether it is suitable for you with your medical condition because God expects us to use the brains that he's put in our heads. And also, nobody is suggesting here today that we should all run out tomorrow and start a 40-day fast and away we go. No, that's no. not how it works and that's not what Jesus taught the disciples and that's not the, the thing we're calling for. But we are inviting you today to consider the power of fasting, the power of this ancient discipline that Jesus himself did and encouraged his disciples to do and the opportunity that it brings to us. My guest is Joe Frost. Uh, Joe is from the Evangelical Alliance these days, but she's also a writer, a teacher, and and has done many, many things, including working with Share Jesus International for a long time. And when we think about fasting, you you said earlier on there's a difference between fasting and abstinence. And I wonder if we can just pick up on that uh, for a moment and 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 unpick that because. In a sense, they're the same thing, aren't they? We, we, we're doing without. We're doing without food. We're doing without something else. It is, we're, we're letting go of it. And I was interested in the, the point you made about the difference between fasting, letting go of the essential, and abstinence, letting go of the luxury. Develop that thought for us a little. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're right. In one respect, these are all part of a very similar idea and notion of discipleship, of dying to self and finding life in the fullness of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be given to you. So whether that's fasting, abstinence, simplicity, silence, solitude, um, study any of those sort of classic disciplines or practices that the ancient church, modern church, and everything in between have been advocating for over the centuries. They're all part and parcel of the same idea. What does it take for us to imitate and follow Jesus, to lay down our lives, pick up our cross, and follow him to see his kingdom come? So for me, it's not an either or. It's not either fasting or abstinence, but it is recognizing that these things are slightly different. Abstinence is, a, is the seeking after of simplicity, of saying, I'm going to humble myself, 
I'm going to limit my world. I'm going to seek after the kingdom of God. I'm not going to seek after the riches and the trappings of this world. If they're given to me, brilliant, but they, they're not going to be my motivation. And actually, sometimes abstinence helps our desires. They put our appetites and our desires and potentially our addictions back into a good, healthy space. Uh, they're reordering moments. Fasting, for me, is a slightly different space where it's not just about the reordering of my life, but it's the reorientation. The Bible does talk about the significance of the living word, of living water, living bread, feast on the word of God, feast on Jesus. These ideas of fasting and feasting go together. And so when we celebrate, when we feast, when we participate in the banquet of the kingdom, we're we talk about food and it's amazing when we participate in the Holy Communion, the Eucharist and the Last Supper, we're talking about food. When we fast, we are recognizing the spiritual significance of the most basic of human needs, food, nourishment, caring for our bodies and caring for our souls. Fasting reminds us that it's not our responsibility to care for our bodies. It's God's. Mm. We depend on him. That for me is the, basis of the difference between the two we'll talk about the how of fasting later on and the link between fasting and, and prayer later on but you also mentioned on the idea of fasting linked to i suppose attitudes you talked about the preparatory fast jesus in the wilderness preparing himself for his ministry and and the allowing the power of the holy spirit like the bible said the power of the holy spirit to work in him during that time in the wilderness so he was able not only to resist the devil but then able to go on and move out into the ministry that had been prepared for him and so on so that's that sort of idea of a regular fast that would keep us prepared for the daily living of our christian life we also touched on the repentant fast, though. Is, is it necessary to fast in order to repent? No, I don't know that they, they're, they're a sort of process in order to repent. You must fast. Uh, but they do seem to go hand in hand. There is this these moments in um the, the story of Israel and the story of the prophets and the story of individuals and collectively, that when people realize how astray they've gone, fasting is the immediate response. It's an invitation to God to reorientate and realign both ourselves, our physicality and our spirituality to him and his kingdom. So for me, no, it's not a, again, it's not that tick box exercise, but there is often that when the conviction comes, there is often that moment, that invitational call that says, come to me, come back to me. And in scripture, we see that time and again, that response includes fasting. Mm. To reorientate. Again, it's that word, isn't it? To reorientate yourself um, back into the, the place where God wants you to be and to recognize the importance of submitting. Because there is a sense of when we fast, we are bringing our body uh, into submission rather than exactly. allowing it to demand that extra cream cake, which mine frequently does. I think it's Richard Foster that describes our hunger more like a spoilt child. And I like that. <laughs> it is very used to getting its own way. We feed it three times a day, at least. Uh, whenever it's peckish, we give it something to feast on. Um, it's used to getting its own way. 
And actually, sometimes a quite a, a break, a harsh stop that says, no, no more. We're going to do some sleep training and we're going to do some naughty steps. And we're going to put that little child back into a healthy, bounded, flourishing space that recognizes its proper place in the wholeness of our being rather than dictating everything all the time. One of the places where I often came across fasting is when I was, especially when I was growing up as a, a teenager in the 70s and and the way that church was run in the 70s, or certainly our church was run in the 70s, is that fasting would be a call to prayer and fasting. And it was very much about seeing there was a need, seeing there was a situation, seeing there was an event, seeing that there was something we desired God to honour or to bless or to, to work. It, it was almost like we were... We were responding to a a yearning by saying we will embrace a different type of yearning and our yearning for food. Um, what is, what is the what is the idea around that, and and how how does that how does fasting fit into that context? I think I think that's really interesting, isn't it? Because that's taking our discipleship beyond the individual and into the corporate and into the community and saying that we are one body and we are fasting as one body to cry out to God, to reorientate ourselves, to pay attention, to see what he's up to, to intercede, to act on our dependency, to engage in spiritual warfare or whatever it is that that moment as a collective, we're asking a question about. And again, we see that in scripture all the time. We also see it in history. I mean, um, I think it was, well, John Wesley talks about um, the National Day of uh, Prayer and Fasting in the 1700s mm-hmm. when they were scared that the French were going to uh, invade. And actually that act of, of an entire nation praying was massive. I think there was a day of prayer and fasting before Dunkirk, mm-hmm. which again says something about this whole whole nation turning around and crying out to God and saying, we are not the master and commander of our world. We are not in charge. You are. And forgive us when we have acted as if we are in charge. You are in charge. But for me, it's important that we we don't say, therefore, you're going to do what we want, because that assumes that we're still master and commander. We're fasting, so you're going to do what we want. It's more the the three friends of Daniel going into the lion's den saying, our God is capable of saving us. But if he doesn't, yes. we're still yeah. going to worship. Yeah. And that act of prayer and fasting is saying, we would like God to break through in this moment. We think this is a holy moment. We think this is a significant moment. This is a moment that we're going to intercede for. But yours is the kingdom. Your will be done, not ours. And there's this act of, of humility that is absolutely intrinsic in fasting and potentially where fasting in scripture is so often warned that it, you can easily tip out of that. Mm. We can use this as an excuse, as a bargaining chip, as a manipulation. And time and again, God, through the prophets and through Jesus and through the letters of the Edge Church, say, don't use fasting like that. But it is a moment to cry out to God and say, not our will be done, but yours. I suppose we almost have to think about it in terms of it being a 
Well, an end in itself that actually by taking time, by fasting, by praying, I come into God's presence, I spend time with him, I get close to him. And and that in his, anything else is a, a cherry on top of the cake. Anything else is an added bonus. It, the, the experience of drawing near to God is actually, that's the prize the in this, yeah. Absolutely. It, it, it's, it's not just a tool but it is another mechanism, another moment, another way of saying, I'm seeking after the face of God. Mm. My prayer time goes up. My sinfulness becomes more apparent. My need for God is more evident in those moments, not just the outcome of the fasting. It's the moment of discipleship, of intimacy, of vulnerability that draws me closer to fasting too. Joe Frost is my guest this week for Life Issues as we're talking about fasting and exploring this thing which has been around the church since the very beginning and even before, but does seem to have, for many people, fallen into, well, if not disrepute, certainly fallen down a sideline somewhere that doesn't really get explored anymore. Fasting and the ability that it has to draw us closer to God and to bring us to a place where perhaps we are better prepared for the world in which we live and we are better attuned to hear what God wants to do so that we can proclaim that with faith and with prayer. So I wonder, Joe, if we could talk about the the practice of fasting and the how of fasting. I mean, you've already made clear that you think it is about food, how much food constitutes a fast, Joe? Is it, you know, breakfast, dinner, breakfast and dinner, tea, supper, sweets? Hey, where? How far do I have to go before it becomes a fast, Joe? All the way. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that again, we just have to be realistic and honest about where we are, where we're starting from. So for me, the best ex- the best uh, analogy is through exercise. My husband is an incredibly fit and active person. I mean, he he doesn't train for marathons. He uses marathons as his training. <laughs> He's bonkers. Um, I often say that between my husband and I is an averagely fit person, which says something about my fitness level. <laughs> I cannot go for a run with him. I certainly couldn't go for a marathon with him. I would fall down dead in a ditch within about 10 seconds. Uh, But does that mean that I can't train to run a marathon? Well, yes, absolutely. But I have to be honest about my starting Mm, point. mm. I'm at the couch level of couch to 5K. And I have to be realistic about that. Fasting is very similar. We read in the Bible about these amazing people or just very normal people who have spent a lot of time with God, who do 40-day fasts, who um, uh, fast all the time. And we think, oh, I should be like that. I'm going to start today. And it just doesn't work. Mm. We have to be honest about where we're starting from. So recommendation, start with one meal. Start just one meal once a week or whenever you can and just start there. I can do that, Joe. I can start with one meal. Um, what I'll do is I will have I'll have a massive breakfast and then I will fast lunchtime and then I'll have a really big dinner when I get home in the evening. Is that the right attitude? 
Probably not. Um, again, it, the question then is, what am I fasting for? Am I fasting because I think it's going to make me holier? Am I fasting because I want to be able to say that I'm a fast person? If I'm, Am I fasting because I want God to do what I'm asking to do? Or am I fasting because I need to reorientate my body mm. and remember that he is the sustainer of my being? So if I'm trying to manipulate it, then I'm probably doing it in the wrong attitude. Yes, exactly. But if I'm trying to build up my resource, my training, my um, my capability of it. So I tend to fast evening meal to evening meal. I don't know why, but I find the four o'clock of a fast really hard. So if I can move that and fast evening to evening, it really suits me better. Um, I also realized that one of the major reasons why I was putting off fasting was because I couldn't cope with the idea of not having coffee, which also says a little bit about where my addictions might lie, <laughs> but I'm just being honest. So I then worked out that actually part of the issue that I had with coffee was that it was it was a habit. And, and actually, I can trick my body into thinking it's getting coffee by having decaf. And actually, I needed to do a decaf coffee with my fast just for a couple of weeks. And now I don't need coffee at all. Mm. So it was a stepping stone. It was just being about realistic about where I am, what I need to do for step one, not trying to get to step 50 in one jump, but recognizing that as I develop, as I mature, as my muscles strengthen, as my dependency and my attentions shift, I'm able to go further deeper and be more attuned to what my soul needs which is the word of god and the face of god before me rather than the spoilt child mm. of my appetites and my addictions in this moment and do i do i need to spend the whole time if i if i fast for for 12 hours or 24 hours do i need to spend the whole time in prayer because i've i've probably got to get me work done as well joe well, at that moment, I would slip over to a conversation about Brother Lawrence and practicing the presence of God and say, actually, no, it's probably not about dedicated prayer times and, and taking a retreat moment, although for sure, sometimes retreat moments are really important and really precious. But actually, it's about carrying my conversation with God into the everyday. It's about working and talking to him when those hunger pains come. But when it's lunchtime, when it's my coffee break, when I would normally stop to have food, actually, those are the moments where I could pick up my Bible. Mm -hmm. Those are the moments where I could turn the worship on. Those are the moments where I go, I'm sacrificing this meal to reorientate and pay attention to what you are saying to me today. Help me listen. So it's, it's a both and. It's just living my life, but remembering that God is in charge of it, not and, me. And I think that is a key point because... We do make, and, and we do the same with prayer and, and, and a whole host of, of disciplines, we make them into these giant mountains that have to be moved and overcome and, and incorporated into life and so on. But actually, it, it is just about doing what you can when you can and starting small and developing the, the practice, developing the habit, developing the ability, developing the sensitivity, and just incorporating. My son says the best way to exercise is to incorporate it into your daily life. I suppose it is the same with prayer and fasting. So regular or responsive? 
because we've talked about both there. We, which is the, the sort of the priority, do you think? Well, again, I would probably say ask God <laughs> um, and, and see what he says. Uh, I think both have their place. And the responsive fast is probably easier if we have done the preparatory fasts, that we've got a little bit of muscle memory, we've got a little bit of resilience, we've got a little bit of, of skill and strength in fasting. Um, but it, for me, the more the question of, of how or why is simply why not. And unless you've got a, a medical reason, unless there's something in your world that really honestly, genuinely says this is not the best discipleship practice, there are others Build your life with Jesus and do it the way that his spirit is asking you to. Unless that's you, when you ask yourself, why don't I fast? If it's because I can't be bothered or I really like my food or I don't know how to or I can't give up coffee or what about the chocolate or what about the glass of wine at the end of the day? If you're answering that question, why not that way, maybe that's a good moment for you to go, oh, who am I serving today? Choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my whole household, I'm going to serve the Lord. Mm. Many years ago, I decided that I would fast from when I got up in the morning through until my evening meal. And I did that because I, I thought it was, I, I felt prompted that it was the right thing to do. Um, and so that, that started great. It was working brilliantly, and, and it meant that breakfast time and lunchtime, there were opportunities to pause and pray and so on. Um, and after a few weeks of doing this, on, on set days each week, I didn't do, it, didn't do it all the way through the week, but on set days, after doing a few weeks, I noticed that on my fast days, my, um, my enthusiasm for it was waning a little. I noticed that, that dinner in the evening was getting earlier and earlier. So it was more like, you know, <laughs> mid-afternoon coffee than it was. There is always a danger with this that once we start, we we kind of fall into a legalistic ha habit of doing it, that we feel yeah. compelled. How do we how do we keep right practice and avoid legalistic compulsion? Absolutely. That's a great question. For me, again, that's the, the nature of habits slightly, that habits dull and deaden. The whole point of a habit is that it is unconscious. Um, it's not considered or intentional. It's just something that we automatically do. And fasting is not supposed to be that. It's meant to be a really intentional thing that we do. Um, so habits tend to need either strengthening, deepening or shifting if we don't want them to go into automatic and again, it's that question of what am I doing this for? Mm. So that question around legalism, Jesus doesn't say, if you get legalistic with your fasting, stop fasting. He says, if you get legalistic with your fasting, fast this way instead. Mm. And actually, I think that's a really cre crucial part. And again, I would talk to Jesus about why am I finding this hard? Why is lunch, uh, dinner moving earlier? Why am I getting more negative? And see what he says. Does he want me to mix it up? Or is this a moment to press in and go deeper and say, okay, I'm going to give it one more month and I'm going to see where I am. Actually, this is the hard slog. My husband tells me that miles one to four are the hardest. I wouldn't know. I've never got to one mile. But... <laughs> 
But you push through, you push through because actually that's when your body gets used to it. And that's when it starts to shift a gear. And I wonder again, whether or not we give up when it gets tough, instead of actually pushing through and seeing actually what's the other side of this. The reality is that for centuries, going right back to beyond the beginning of the church, there has been an awareness in those who were truly seeking to develop the power of God in their lives, to develop the ability to walk in his way, to develop the transformational ministry that would turn society upside down for Jesus. There has been a, an understanding that prayer and fasting go hand in hand. It is not an easy practice. And that's why we've said all the way through this, consider your medical, physical, actual situation as to whether it is even safe for you to fast. But if it is, start small, develop it, develop the practice, explore the practice, much as we develop and explore the practice of prayer or the practice of reading our Bible or the practice of sharing our faith with other people. Explore it. Let it grow in you. Taste and see what it's like and the difference that it makes. Because if at the very start of the church, Jesus taught his disciples to pray and to fast that the power of God might be manifest in the world as they drew close to the Father in the way that he drew close to the Father, how much more does our world need us to do the same? It is not a magic formula. It is not a panacea to cure every ill. It is certainly not easy because that recalcitrant child that is our hunger demands our attention. But if we will subdue the reality of our lives to pursue the reality of God's grace and spirit, what difference might that make in the world if we all see Jesus didn't say, if you pray, if you fast, he said, when? My guest this week to explore it has been Joe Frost from the Evangelical Alliance. Joe, thank you for taking the time to share your perspective and share your insight with us today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And you've been listening to UCB Life Issues. I'm Paul Hammond. Join me next week for another one. Ta-da!